going on everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike K. Latest episode of the No Huddle Show. The middle of OTA season. I'm uh, fresh off of seeing Aladdin a couple days ago. It was terrible. <laughs> Who'd you go with? Uh, that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, just like the genie, I'm in the mood to help you, dude, learn a little oh, bit God. more about oh, Lord. Uh, OTAs. <laughs> that was yeah. as bad as the movie. <laughs> hey, okay. Well, um, so yeah, we've got a lot of... A lot of content coming your way, and I think what's interesting about OTAs entering the second week is Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson, which I think we'll get to later. We've got a lot of stuff go brewing now that we've talked to the coordinators for the first time in a while, and I'm going to let you handle the rest. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to try and split these up since we're going to be... I mean, there's only a couple more OTA practices we get to see. Then we see all three days of... I don't know if we get to watch the practices, but we'll we'll get three days of mandatory minicamp where everybody... Maybe not Malcolm Jenkins. We'll be there. We'll find out. That'll be a big storyline. Uh, but for the duration of this and maybe into training camp too, I kind of want to split it up between what we heard from the press conference at the beginning of practice, before practice, which will happen, uh, what we heard what we heard and saw on the field, and then what we heard in the locker room after, because there's a lot of different like things, the process and all of those. So we'll start with the press conferences. We start with Jim Schwartz. He's always an interesting press conference. Out of the three coaches, he's the most entertaining one, like easily. He knows how to work a room. Yeah, for sure. Whereas the offensive coordinator maybe doesn't, uh, <laughs> I would say. But uh, not, we won't harp on him too much, I guess. But uh, Jim in Schwartz. In fairness, he was actually in a pretty good mood this time. He was in a good mood, but still didn't say anything yeah. interesting. Okay. Uh, but Jim Schwartz. So the highlight of the press conference for, for me was this quote where he – this isn't, doesn't really like matter or anything, but his quote about Brandon Graham where he, he – someone was asking him about Brandon Graham not having to play defensive tackle anymore because they have Malik Jackson now. And he was like, someday when I'm old and sitting on a rocking chair somewhere, I'm still going to – Remember the moment Brandon Graham strip sacked Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and and that fans loved that he said that. For all the hate that Jim Schwartz gets, they were very happy with that quote. <laughs> I mean, it was it was the play that I outside of the Philly special that I think we'll all remember from that game. I mean, that was kind of the biggest thing that the defense did by a mile in that Absolutely, game. Yeah. So of course Schwartz is going to remember that one, but yeah, you know he he. Actually, was pretty. You know, he's a guy that says a lot without saying a lot. Um, I actually thought he offered a lot of really good nuggets in this one. Talked about Hassan Ridgeway being a guy that's really stood out since they've acquired him. Um, he talked about Rasul Douglas's new kind of physique. He's been working out. He's not been one to like really compliment Rasul openly, and I thought yeah, it was, that was interesting because that was that was after a question about which guys have like stood out in terms of, like physically transforming themselves, blah blah blah. Yeah, so the I fact thought, that he said Rasul meant something. Yeah, I thought that was pretty notable. I liked what he had to say about Sidney Jones. He was actually pretty defensive of Sidney Jones. Yeah, he got asked a lot about him. Um, you know, asking about his weight and stuff like that. He said he thought that he had the tools to really be a good corner in this league. Um, and then I thought. Overall, his assessment of how they would use defensive tackles was really interesting. You know, they've used defensive ends in on third down to pass rush for the last few years. But when he was with Detroit, when he was with Buffalo, they used two legitimate defensive tackles on third down. That's what they'll do here with Malik Jackson and Fletcher Cox and or Timmy Jernigan. So I thought it was interesting that he kind of, you know, took a page out of his history and kind of brought that to the forefront. Hey, this is a misconception. Hey, this we do because of personnel. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And 
you know, so the defensive line, I thought the way you talked about that was interesting because there, there's like a, sem, I don't know if panic's the right word, but there's maybe an overreaction to the Eagles' defensive end-ups. I know they've lost Michael Bennett and Chris Long, which is really big. Uh, I don't think the group is maybe as necessarily like good top to bottom as it was last year. But the way he talked, I both don't think he's concerned about it because he's pretty high on Sharif Miller. I will say I thought it was notable he didn't even mention Josh Sweat. Like he had many chances to talk about Josh Sweat and he didn't. Nobody asked about him. But I think it's it says a lot when a coach goes out of the way to mention somebody. Yeah. And he never mentioned Sweat. But uh, <laughs> got the little pup just walked in. Yeah. <laughs> Miller was he was directly asked about Miller, but he was pretty long-winded about it, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Um, he's a Miller's a guy that, and I talked to Miller after in the locker room, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but Miller's a guy that's kind of a blank canvas for him, and he strikes me as a guy who really likes to take defensive ends and kind of mold them. Josh Sweat's a, a high upside guy who wasn't really developed. Um, you know, I thought he got more out of Benny Curry than any defensive coordinator had in a really long time. Um, Derek Barnett, obviously. So, uh, yeah, to your point, I think that the Miller love is legitimate. I mean, it was the only defensive draft pick uh, uh, this season. I think they graded him higher than most teams did, too. Probably. Um, I mean, that, that's not really saying much. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't so think. whether or not the defensive end is an issue really just comes down to Derek Barnett, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just, but, I mean, it kind of, they're putting a lot on him this season. Mm-hmm. He missed most of last season. Jim Schwartz, was per, he raved about him, how he played in those first six games before he got hurt. He thought he was, I forget what the word he used, but it was, he was really happy with the way he was playing. And I think you and I had talked about in those first six weeks on the podcast about how good we thought he was playing before he went down. Uh, he's been limited in OTA so far. I think he's only done individual drills. Um, it's not worrisome right now. But they're banking a lot on that guy becoming something, especially with Vinnie Curry being the only backup and Vinnie Curry's coming off the worst season of his career. And then Sharif Miller, Josh Wett, Joe Osmond, Deshaun Hall are the only other guys who don't really have much experience collectively between them. So if, if Derek Barnett, number one, doesn't stay healthy all year, number two doesn't produce like he needs to, then you can really be concerned. I mean, that, that's a fair question mark. Like You can call that a question mark. I agree with him, and I agree with you. I think the defensive end goes the way Derek Barnett does. If, if Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham are starting the majority of the season, you're in trouble. I mean, they're both over 30. Both aren't really known for finishing at the quarterback. They're known for getting pressure, but they're not really, you know, sack guys. Um, I think that could be a concern, especially when you have guys that are going to command double teams in the middle, like with Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson. Um, He did bring up that Malik Jackson has kind of a defensive end like body, which kind of is interesting because I think you're going to get opportunities to do kind of like a jumbo uh, line set where you you go Malik Jackson um, on the strong side end, Brandon Graham in the weak side end, and then you have Timmy Jernigan and Fletcher Cox inside. I think it's like the big group of dudes. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. so it, they'll have a jumbo package. They're probably going to have a speed package. There, there's going to be stuff where, based on situations, they're going to be able to use Malik Jackson at defensive end. That's why I don't think they're as concerned. I think the defensive tackle depth is significantly better than it was last year. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting from the press conference, he was asked about Paul Warlow, mm. and he said, this is a direct quote, first thing he has done is impressed every single person in the building with his work ethic. He's just been incredible the way he's attacked his injury rehab. He's really been a leader for a lot of other guys. We have a significant number of injuries in there, and he really has set a good standard for the work that it takes to recover. That's kind of interesting. 
I mean, I think that's why you re-sign a guy when he's coming off a, a, like yeah. a completely lost season. They clearly are high on him, yeah. Yeah, I think he's got a good shot at a roster spot, and I think they like his leadership. Maybe he's takes on more of a special teams role, and Camus takes on more of a defensive role, and then he becomes that special teams captain. But um, Worlow's a guy that got some guaranteed money in his one-year contract, and so I, I think he's a guy that we need to keep an eye on, even though he was not at OTA practice. Yeah, I was going to say he didn't practice on uh, Tuesday. And well, not unclear why, but he did tear his ACL on on the first day of OTA. It would be nice if we could talk to him because it's kind of interesting because he's a guy who grew up an Eagles fan. He grew up in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Martin Frank. <laughs> My dude. He was looking around. He was pretty upset that Paul Warren wasn't talking to us. Because this is the second week in a row, yeah, man. But the point being, all, Eagles fan his whole life gets a chance to sign with the Eagles. First day in an Eagles uniform, tears his ACL out for the year. Like that's t- And then they brought him back, which adds like a cool part to the story. Yeah, but a lot of Eagles fans on this team. Yeah, right. Vinny Curry. Vinny Curry. Paul Worlow. Uh... I don't remember if Wendell Smallwood grew up in Eagles. I'm not sure. I'm sure. I mean, he's from Delaware, so yeah. it would make sense. So, but interesting. Yeah. So let, let's flip to the offensive coordinator. I, like you said, he, he definitely came out in like a good mood, and it's an interesting like discussion around Mike Groh because I think last year he probably got some undue criticism. Some of that was probably put on himself just based on the way he answered certain things at press conference. Like the specific one that always gets called back to is the way he, I forget what the Golden exact quote team. was, but how he they were. It was like more. I, forget, I can't. I'm blanking on what the quote was like. It was more difficult than he expected to incorporate Golden Tate into the offense. Was the gist of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like an interesting, like, way to look at what he has to go through this offseason because they have all these new pieces that he's not the one only one incorporating them. Doug Peterson runs the offense. Like that. That the criticism last year should have been directed at Doug, not Mike Rowe, when when there was criticism about the offense. But now Mike Rowe and. Doug Peterson and the offensive staff has to incorporate Deshaun Jackson, two new running backs. They have to get Dallas Goddard the ball more. J.J. Arcega, Whiteside. I think we're going to talk about him, I'm sure, a bunch. He sh- I think he's going to get more touches than people, or at least more playing time than maybe people realize. If Matt Collins is alive, they have to, you know, prop his body up on offense and, uh, and make that happen. But so he. He didn't like directly address those criticisms. He kind of, he he pretty much deflected on that stuff. But he's gonna kind of be the whether fair or not. He's gonna be one that gets blamed if this offense isn't functioning this year. Yeah, it's and it, it's definitely not a fair criticism. I don't think like criticism is fair, but not like the level that he will or has been getting. Right. Like again, as you noted pretty thoroughly, this is Doug Peterson's offense. Um, this is not. This is a group effort, right? You've got an assistant head coach who's also the running backs coach in Deuce Staley. There's a lot. Stoutland runs the offensive line. Yeah, yeah Stoutland runs the offensive line, but he's also like the run game yeah. coordinator. So like, so how much power does Grow really have? Yeah. Right. Yeah. If Grow's just handling red zone, yeah, yeah, did he do an awful job last year? Absolutely. But they just gave him JJ Orsiga Whiteside. They gave him two pounding running Great backs. Great point. Great point. So if the red zone isn't working, then you could, that's where like right. the blame should be on him. In, yeah. in turn, his role yeah. was DeFilippo's role was a while ago, or Press Taylor, whatever. So. My biggest takeaway from talking to, to players last year is Gro is like a really good teacher. And so I think sometimes we get caught up in this, well, the practicality of, of what's going on, right? There's so many factors that go into a successful play. And I think sometimes we negate thinking outside the box of how Gro may help because we don't really know his role. He's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Like he's... <laughs> 
you know, don't pay attention to that man behind. Well, you the wrote that. You wrote that good story about him where you talked to a bunch of the guys. It's like my only like, good story. I don't ever. like complimenting you, but yeah. that, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, and you know, like like I mentioned, like he's not someone who really likes to talk about himself. He deflects whenever you ask him things. So that's why it was interesting to like hear from the because he was more criticized than almost anybody last year. Oh yeah. Maybe Carson Wentz because of the injury stuff, but not because of like play necessarily so he got most of the criticism and he's not someone who's like gonna talk about that that much so it, it, I did find it interesting that the thing that all the guys you talked to pointed to was that he's a good teacher right because that means they're interacting with, like they could have easily been like oh you know he's a he's a great coach he he's really motivates guy. us yeah. like they could have done the cookie cutter stuff but most of them pointed to yeah he's a good teacher and I, I think it's valuable have because you know there's been a lot of talk about Nelson Aguilar who's been the only receiver who's been here for each of the last five years well, he's going into his fifth year. He had, He's going to be on his fifth receivers coach. It is valuable that, one, Groh is still around, and, two, that the guy that they replaced uh, Gunter Brewer with has been with Grow since he was with the Bears, so he's, like, been around. I think Nelson Aguilar said something like, he, he like, rode for me last year. I, Carson Walsh, he's, like, really close with him, just based off, you know, he's there because of Mike Grow. So I think that part of it's interesting. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how people react if the red zone offense doesn't come out firing on all cylinders because that should be the best one in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, they've really kind of um... – pimped his ride as it were like they have look jj arcega whiteside is a guy that at the very least can develop into a red zone weapon as a rookie like that's that yeah. that should be the foundational piece for him at, in his early playing time jordan howard is a touchdown hawk whether he's the top Goal line guy, short yardage whatever yeah. right uh miles sanders ha- people i think miles sanders are having like a really tough time People that look at Miles Sanders are having a really tough time, like, diagnosing what he is. Do you know why? It's because he's a versatile guy. He can work inside. He can work outside. He can catch. He can do all, a little bit of everything. And I think he's going to be also really good in red zone. Let's not forget Corey Clement. Yeah. I mean, he is was their he's red the zone back man. as a He's the forgotten man right now. And I think he's going to bounce back in a big way. You know, Wendell Smallwood had his moments in the red zone too i think having carson wentz healthy obviously the threat of him running is a thing but overall i just think that this is this is a red zone offense that should succeed now can they succeed within the 20s they should be able to i mean i think deshaun jackson's presence opens up a lot of opportunities underneath for guys like zach Ertz and dallas goddard and um Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, all these guys. So this offense is is way more complete than last year's group. All right, well, we'll stop talking about Mike Groh now. We'll go on <laughs> to the on-field. You can start listening to the podcast again. <laughs> yeah, now, you fast-forwarded to this point. Um, well, let's get to the on-field stuff, which is what people care. There, there's, like, weird – it's not like a, the general Eagles fan population. There's, like, a weird pushback from some people. Like, it's only OTAs. Who cares? Actually, I think a lot of people care about – I mean, just based on the reaction we get to, especially Carson Wentz-related content. I mean, Boston Scott. There's Boston, a whole hot. That's what I'm saying. Like, even – this is the time of year where guys like that kind of get the publicity on Twitter. Yeah. Um – and I, I don't know, this time of year is pretty fun to me. We, we only get to see them, like, once a week. And we're just, like, our first first exposure to, like, the rookies and the newcomers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ones that are there. So, I, I don't know, I, I enjoy this time of the year. Not as Maybe not as much as training. The beginning of training camp is awesome, especially. Once you, like, get back, it's like the first day of school kind of feeling. Yeah. But this is kind of like a cool, like, summer school type thing, you know? If summer school could if be. If summer considered. school could be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that was a bad comparison. Um, I don't know how else. But anyway, so... Yeah. 
the first thing I want to talk about, we'll, we'll get into specifically Carson Wentz, but I want to talk about Deshaun Jackson to open up. So, he like everybody knows the Deshaun Jackson story. He left here on bad terms. Immaturity was a problem. It followed him to his other stops. I think it was a fair to question whether he's he's actually matured to this point in his career. Mm-hmm. There's only been two practices. Um, I'm, I'm, I like to I pay a lot of attention to body language, mm-hmm. like in general in practice, how guys interact with each other uh, when they're on their own and they're in the locker room during games. And I think you can learn a lot about where a guy stands on a team, how popular he is. You know, it's, it's not, not end-all, be-all necessarily. Some guys keep to themselves. But just watching Deshaun Jackson, these first two practices, I know it's early and things can change real quick, especially, you know, with a guy with that kind of personality. But he f- seems like he's the most loved guy out there. He really, like, has brought an energy. To, like, anyone who's in his vicinity, like, he has a handshake with Carson Wentz already. Nelson Aguilar, he's going to take touches away from Nelson Aguilar in reality. Like, that's another guy who's going to take touches away from him. Nelson Aguilar was as happy to talk about Deshaun Jackson being here as I've seen him to talk about anything. He's, he basically was like, he he's giving me some swagger. Like, he's making me feel like I can be myself. Like, this doesn't feel like this. I think Deshaun Jackson weirdly getting released, I think that maybe was the best thing for his career is my impression of it. Uh even though it was coming off his best season when it happened. But just watching him out there, he doesn't seem like he's lost a step. Again, I know it's OTAs. And he legit seems to be taking to, like, a leadership role. Like, old Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson two years ago probably wouldn't even be out here for voluntary OTAs. Yeah, I think he's happy to be back where he started. Like, I think there's a general appreciation to be back, you know, be able to close that right. I'm sure he doesn't feel happy about how he closed things out here. And there's something to be said about a redemptive streak and, like, a... Uh, a redemption streak and and kind of it, he is in a different place now. He's got kids, um, you know. He doesn't have to be the top guy here. Uh, he's matured. He's over thirty, um, and I think he knows what his role is. You know what I mean? I think Deshaun Jackson a few years ago was I'm on the, the guy. Yeah, yeah. He was the guy. Give me the ball, whatever. Now he just wants to win. He wants to be successful. He's seen what Doug Peterson can do. I think that that's one of the big things that we he don't... Lo- he loves Doug. Right. But I think that's one of the things that a lot of national media do- doesn't really kind of take into consideration about Doug. When you see all these lists about head coaches. <laughs> Doug has shown that he's a he's willing to adapt to his players. And that he's not a system guy. Like, there's a lot of guys... Chip Kelly. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, did you cough there? You need some water? Yeah, who who believe in their system more than they believe in individual players. Yes. Doug Peterson is not that The guy. opposite. And I think, you know, people adored Andy Reid, and I think there's a bit of Andy Reid to... I don't know if adored is the right word around uh, here. Players? Oh, players. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my bad. I sorry, like the sorry. General. I was a little no, too you're right. general. But... I, I think he's got a feel here. I think he, they've seen what Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have tried to do with kind of bringing back former guys. And, and you know, it's a feel-good thing. And this locker room's likable. Like, really, really likable. So I think Deshaun Jackson's in the right atmosphere for him and the right, you know, support system for him. And it seems like everybody's kind of embraced him. I wrote in my um, observations yesterday, every time Deshaun Jackson catches a pass, somebody's like, there you go, 10, or come on, D-Jax, or, or there you go, Deshaun. Like, people are excited to see him because he, is, you know, I don't want to compare him to Michael Vick, but, like, growing up, Michael Vick was a big, you know, Madden 
player for a lot I, of guys. I think that's a good comparison, actually. Like, I mean, Vic wasn't here before he made his comeback here, but like the excitement of Michael Vick being on the team was still there. Right, and Deshaun Jackson was a guy that a lot of people grew up, you know, grew up watching. He was running go routes in Madden, so you'd play with him, <laughs> trade for him. Just aired out to him, yeah. Yeah, like in the era of Madden players, Deshaun Jackson was a guy who had the type of speed that you could be really successful with, and he was fun to play with in Madden, I would assume. Um, so there's that. There's also the fact that, you know, he's a guy that I think at 32 had – for wide receivers who caught over 40 passes led the league in yards per catch 18.9 people realize how he can help them out like Zacherts can get a lot of underneath opportunities and yards after the catch opportunities that he didn't before because safeties were kind of bearing down um you know Alshon Jeffries another guy who's going to benefit from this Nelson Aguilar's going to benefit those first few games where it was just him out there he was throwing the ball like 600 times still less than Zach for like, Ertz. For like <laughs> but, five yards of catch right <laughs> But it was because safeties yeah. had no reason to not. Yeah, there was no deep threat. Right. So, again, I think that everybody's going to benefit from his presence. He is kind of one of those larger-than-life personalities that's been in the league and kids around the league really kind of look up to. You look at J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, he looked up to Alshon Jeffrey. That seems ridiculous to me because he's a guy who's under 30. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, so yeah. Just imagine how much Deshaun Jackson... Jackson's I mean, when if he if he wants to be a leader, what he says carries weight. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and he's been through the ups and downs of the league. He's been a, a Pro Bowler. He's been cut. He's been cut. He's been traded. He's you know he's played with really bad quarterbacks. He's played with really good quarterbacks. He's you know he's experienced it all except for winning a championship. And I think having wisdom like that is really important. You know, you talk to some of the younger guys, and they talk about Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry. Halfway through Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry's career, people were looking at them as either busts or guys that were just, repeat, you know... Especially Graham. Yeah. yeah, just rotational guys. So to see where they've come from, I mean, I just think this is this is a really good locker room filled with guys that have seen some sh- some sh- you know, in their, in, their, in their careers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so now, just let's bring it back to Carson Wentz, because it really... So, I heard somebody pointed this out, and it's, and it's a very... A stupid point, I think, that Carson Wentz has never had a receiver in the NFL that can, like, catch up to his arm strength. Like, You mean not Bryce Treggs? Like, there were some throws in that... <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, there, like, there were some throws, even in the practice, that, like, number one, Deshaun Jackson of old probably wouldn't have, like, done the effort to go and get, like, in mm-hmm. the middle of defenders. But number two, just, I don't think Carson Wentz had receivers that could go and get them. Like, I think Carson, it's going to bring out a certain level of confidence in Carson Wentz that he can air it out and know that Deshaun will catch up to it. So he's never had, Mike Wallace was supposed to be that. Even Mike Wallace, if he was going to be at his best, was not going to be Deshaun Jackson last year. Mm-hmm. He didn't look that good in the preseason at training camp. Um, Torrey Smith was not, Torrey Smith, like, the threat of Torrey Smith was good, because he, I think he drew, like, four or five pass interferences that Super Bowl year. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, like, a deep threat like he used to be but just the threat of it is a bit they didn't, did not have that last year and it seems like i know again like we're overreacting everything but that's what we do it's a podcast we're reacting to otas like what do you want from us yeah it, it seems like they already have a connection and a chemistry which is kind of crazy to think about well i mean game recognizes game you know what i mean it's like real recognizes real um <laughs> sorry uh sorry right. uh but anyway yeah look it is otas everybody's gonna be sunshine and rainbows right now uh, the nitty gritty is when the pads come on and you've got to see if they've got their timing down and all that stuff. But all things considered, it's a step in the right direction. 
this is Donnell Pumphrey's like all star season. Like this oh is man, every, he's been crushing. This it. is when everybody is like, man, he looks shifty. And then it gets to slowly you get deeper into training camp and the preseason. He's just like, <laughs> he just disappears. And then he's not on the roster. And then they wasted a fourth round pick and all that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's so all right. So we we mentioned him a couple times. Let's talk about Jay Jaw, Jay Jarcega Whiteside. So the play we both are thinking about when we talk about like just what his potential is in this offense is was it it was Carson Wentz that threw it to him. Yeah, right? yeah so, so he was in yeah. it was red zone seven on sevens I believe and it was a jump he threw it up to him I believe it was a fade mm-hmm. I don't know Cindy Jones covering him mm-hmm. he just tossed it up to JJ Jaw and he he got it with like without issue and he scored a touchdown over an NFL cornerback like he, he looks like he has the technique down already when it comes to situations even if he's only playing in red zone situations like he's going to be a legit threat for them yeah he was tightly covered so yeah the play was a fade to the to the right side uh, the right side of the end zone um like, Jones is on top of him. Like, this was an impressive good coverage, throw. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty good coverage. Um, those hands, though. Like, you, you know, like, when you see somebody, like, he doesn't juggle catches. Like, no. And normally, that's a that's a. It looked catch. like Alshon. Yeah, it really did. Um, the ball was perfect by Carson. Like, that might have been the best yeah. throw I've no, he, he, he had. And, and from there, he kind of was firing on all cylinders, too, Carson. Like, it kind of opened His confidence up. is definitely there. Like it's, now, I, mean, I think the knee brace is, like, an underrated thing. He doesn't have – he's not – he says he's not going to play with it this year. Um, you know, it's before last season after – like, before the season, I talked to David Chow. The, he's pro football doc. He has, like, a cool column that he, he like, analyzes everything that he sees pretty much football-wise uh, when guys get hurt. And he was like, he's not going to have his mobility back until at least next year is what he said last year and mm-hmm. I, I think that you're kind of seeing that be the truth he probably w- we've talked plenty about how he went back too early but but yeah anyway JJ JJ Arcega Whiteside like with Mac Hollins again being MIA like I, I'm just, I don't know if he exists I, I'm Let, not, let's <laughs> talk let's talk about yeah. the wide receiver position yeah, I yeah, think yeah. So I think JJ is pretty locked in as a number four receiver yeah so your top four are going to be Alshon Jeffrey Deshaun Jackson Nelson Aguilar and JJ I guess we're going to I guess we're going to do that now I just yeah, kind of started you, doing you it. Kinda, it you kind of forced is that it okay yeah so behind them you've got eight guys uh, oh, eight guys behind them I yeah there's that many. yeah you have Mac oh, Hall they just signed Devin Ross Oh, no, not Colorado. now. Oh, right. Not now. So, <laughs> Colorado uh, alum. Yeah, so you've got Mac Hollins, RIP. Uh, <laughs> have, have Mac Hollins with air yeah, quotes. Yeah, Sheldon Gibson, Braxton Miller, Devin Ross, Charles Markin John- Mitchell. Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson and... Carlton Agadosi. Yeah, Carlton Agadosi. Who had, and who had Greg- the best had the play of the day, by the way. Let me sorry, talk. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm then, excited. And then Greg Ward, Jr. <laughs> I knew I was going to get excited. I'm very right. excited. So it needs. To, here's here's some notes on the wide receivers. I, I actually think this is a, a better way, not a better way, but uh, one way we can do this to kind of go through the roster. We don't. We're not going to go through every position, but I, I like this format. So Charles Johnson is actually running with the first team. Yeah. Uh, because Alshon Jeffrey's not here. Um, and he's looked fine. I mean, I you know. I think he has a shot. I do too. I think it's. I, it, the way I look at the wide receiver position is I look at special. There's the six guy is going to be a special teams mainly guy, and the other guy is going to be like a main backup who only gets playing time if dudes are out. So like the way I'm looking at it is I look at Charles Johnson competing with Matt Collins, competing with Sheldon Gibson, competing with Greg Ward. Compete, you know what I mean? Like in that last game, it, it, 
what I'm saying is Charles I, Johnson. I get what you're saying. Charles Johnson can win the job, and Sheldon Gibson and Matt Collins can still compete for yeah. that sixth job. I don't think Charles Johnson's in in the competition to be the sixth. The only way he's going to win is if he's the fifth guy. Is if he's the fifth That's, guy. I totally agree. Um, so when you look at the roster, though, I mean. It's really only him and that fifth guy competition outside of Mac Collins and Gibson, right? I mean, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't think any of the other guys are real threats. Um, I will say, even Gibson, he was, like, running with, like, the third and fourth strings. Like, that, yeah. it's not a great... I, I know, look. They clearly just, like, lost faith in him over time, and I don't know what it is. I mean, he, it was really telling when he was benched for Week 17 last year, and he looked Well, it was distraught. it was telling when half the receivers kept dying, and they still refused to play him. They just kept pulling guys off the street. Kamar Aiken was, like, on his couch. He's like, oh, I guess I'll sign The man the had a catch for 48 yards and never got targeted again. That's what I'm saying. Again. And, and he was like, like, he, like... I thought he looked, I mean, it was the preseason, so clearly it's a sign you don't put too much stock in the preseason, but he looked pretty good with Nate Sudfeld. I mean, like, yeah, it's, well, because they put some scouts. Yeah, yeah, but it, it it just tells you that they just don't have any faith in this dude, and I, just based on what we've seen so far, as of now, if Mac Hollins goes on IR or something, then Shelton Gibson probably makes the team, but short of that, I imagine it being the scenario you put out where it's, if they keep six receivers, Charles Johnson five, Mac Hollins six. The guy we forgot about. Who? He's the guy who's going to win the sixth job. Who's and that's that? DeAndre Tompkins. Oh, yeah. we didn't mention He's going to be the one that wins this job. Yeah, because he, he can be a returner and a gunner. Outside of injury, this kid's going to win this job. He, I'd, I'd, put, I'd put him ahead of Shelton in the pecking order right now, which says a lot about both of them, probably. Yeah, I, I, I'm cool with, like, putting, pounding the table. I think it's... Pound it right now. <laughs> I don't want to wake up the yeah, baby. Yeah, that's true. There's a baby. Yeah, yeah. So it was really soft. Pound. If people keep asking about this, when I look at the the wide receiver group, the six that I keep are Deshaun, Alshon, Nelson, JJ, Charles Johnson, and then um, DeAndre Tompkins because I think they're going to work. And then Tompkins put Matt the Collins slot. on the MIA list. Is that a thing? I don't know what's going to happen. There. <laughs> How many games do you have to be sit out if you're on the MIA list? This like nobody knows where you physically are. I, Is I he on the retired list? Like, I don't know. Wow, you're really putting this I know, joke I'm to sorry. work, huh? Um, this is my... It's out of control. This is what, my sixth, fifth season covering the NFL. I've never seen an injury handled like this It's before, so weird. Ever. And I used to cover the Jaguars, who came up with new reasons to be made fun Dude, of on a daily basis. So, and it's not funny, but... After our podcast where I like went like point by point like the timeline of Matt Collins like I was yeah, it was amazing well but so the funny I went like went back and looked at like his Twitter timeline and so he did like a video with like Lincoln Financial Group yep and in the video he's like yeah I suffered this injury now I'm just I just I need to make sure I'm I'm prepared for when I my career is over because you never know it was like such a I was like is he thinking, <laughs> does he think he's never gonna play again like I know I'm overthinking it but I'm just like he had all this time to do all that stuff and he hasn't even like I know we don't have to see him every day hernias can be like if if, if that's what it is but nobody's telling us anything he's not coming out to say anything like yeah it's very this is the way the way Eagles handle injuries is shoddy anyway but yeah that is this the weirdest one we've both seen that's for sure so talking about positions I also want to talk about that fourth running back position because becoming pretty clear to us that Jordan Howard Miles Sanders and Corey Clement are the top three guys Clement who's been out right yeah um, so you got Wendell Smallwood, Boston Scott, Josh Adams, and Donnell, Donnell Pumphrey competing for, for maybe a fourth Fourth, or, fifth, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, a lot of people are giving up on Josh Adams. I just don't see I, it. I'm, we're on the same boat there. I don't I don't understand. Like, I, I, know. I get the short yardage stuff, but you got two guys can 
do short yard stuff already on the roster and Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. I, I just don't understand. Wait, so you don't understand why people are giving up on him or you don't understand why people think he's in the race? No, I don't understand why people are giving up on him. Okay. That, that doesn't make sense yeah, to me. Yeah, I agree. I thought he showed something last year. Yeah, like... He's I, a better running back than Wendell Smallwood. They, Wendell Smallwood just is more understanding of the offense. He also has a better... I mean, he's, and a, he's better a better pass receiver. catcher and stuff. Yeah. I get it, but I don't know. I, I'd keep Josh Adams. I wouldn't. I think somebody claims him if they cut him. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, well, I think somebody would claim Wendell if, if he was good. Yeah. He, to me, has the most trade value. So Wendell? That's, yeah, Wendell, yeah. Like a team loses a guy to injury or something. Yeah, I mean, Boston Scott's starting to build a hive. We were talking about it off air. Like, <laughs> people people like Boston Scott, but, like, everybody kind of finds that, like, small running back intriguing. They do need a Darren Sproles replacement. He can play on special teams. He's very fast. He was brought in to be the kick returner last year during the playoff push. He's played four games in the system. Very smart guy. We had a conversation yesterday in the locker room, but... Is there any way Pumphrey makes this roster? Like, I, I just don't... No, like, there's not. There could be... He's there because they like, hey, The bubonic play could hit the locker room. I'm still not sure Pumphrey... They would just sign the Jai before they bring yeah, Pumphrey Yeah, I'm a poor guy, but... I mean, yeah, he, he's an, he is a really nice kid. I've talked to him a few times. Um, so, last on-field observation, I think one of the more interesting things was the way they're shuffling the cornerbacks. Yep. Which is... On purpose and probably also in part to throw us off the scent a little bit. Uh-huh. I think Jim Schwartz basically he says that every year he's like, well, there's only the day you guys see while we're out there. There's like the other practices that I'm doing yeah. other stuff. Like so, the real lineup is in the other practices probably. But so they flip flop. So last week Avante Maddox was in the nickel and uh, Sidney Jones was on the outside. This week it was Razul was on the outside again, but with Avante on the outside, which I think we both agree he is like his best position ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, well, his most valuable. His most valuable. Like he's yeah. the best player at that position yeah like his talents or whatever you know what i mean and uh cindy jones is back in the back in the nickel i thought he looked good i mean i think cindy jones has looked really good another guy that i think has looked really good that probably is competing to make another team's roster is josh hawkins he had a pick uh or or if darby's on like pup or something right uh he told me that he's got the most pass breakups during the first four practices of OTAs. Uh, he's got six pass breakups and four practices, and that was his first interception. Hawkins is a guy who's got some experience. I mean, they, they've kind of got, like, a really good problem in the secondary. Granted, they don't have, like, a true number one guy. I think Ronald Darby, ideally, would be a really good number two. Uh, but everybody else is kind of like an average number two. Um, I'm really interested to see how Crevon LeBlanc gets back on the field. Yeah, because, it's a tough path. I mean... You're gonna start Avante Maddox somewhere. You have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, best players, best players need to be on the field. Yeah, you, they need to be on the field. I, uh, tell that to Jim Schwartz about Russell Douglas. Uh, I think Russell Douglas and is more on talented. the flip side about Jalen Mills. Yeah, I think Russell Douglas at worst is the third best cornerback. Jalen Mills, who also his injuries kind of flown under the radar, but that one we talked about it last week, but that's just lingered for a while. Yeah, and and the thing is too is foot injuries can be weird. Foot injuries can be weird. He's also a guy who. They saw get blistered in coverage. Like he, there was, there's one thing to like play to the system and play to the scheme and like, you know, do what you're taught. Then there's another thing of literally getting beat on several deep <laughs> passes. And I think I think he's better off at safety. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I still believe that too. Yeah, he played safety at LSU. Um, we should talk about actually the safeties really quick um, with. 
Rodney McLeod sidelined and Malcolm Jenkins skipping out on OTAs. Andrew Zendaya's been playing strong safety. Uh, Trey Sullivan's been playing free safety. They both look pretty good, I would say. Yeah, and I guess we, we haven't I haven't noticed Blake Countess that much, to be honest. Uh, he was he and uh, DeAndre Hall were with the second team defense. I'm pretty sure Countess is going to be a special teams ace. He was the personal protector uh, in punt coverage. I saw somebody joke that because I guess at some point Doug Peterson like went up to DeAndre Hall. I think it might have been Shield <clears throat> from uh, the Athletic said something like, uh, "Is that the first time they've ever interacted?" <laughs> Probably. No, no. I mean, like it, I, he, DeAndre Hall is that guy. You're like, oh, he's still on the roster. Like whenever we're filling out like our 53 man roster things, I'm like, oh, have to remember DeAndre Hall. Like he, that trade just made in retrospect. Just like, I mean, they only gave up a seventh or whatever, yeah. but it doesn't he, really make any sense. He uh, between him and like he and Denell Pumphrey, like there there are guys on this roster where it's like. <clears throat> Even if they have a great camp, I don't know how they make this team. Yeah, and like they so have too to, many guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder what the outlook is for him, um, quarterback wise. I will say Clayton Thorson's all over the place, yeah. but he has got an arm. Yeah, he's got a cannon, and Sudfeld didn't look great. I would say. Yeah, Sudfeld. He, uh, he hasn't had a good couple. Of, it's too early to get. Yeah, I mean, but, it's two practices yeah. at a. But yeah, he. Know. I mean, his accuracy's been bad. All right, let, let's jump to the locker room to close this out. Um, there was a decent amount of guys in there. Uh, one of the funnier quotes that I heard was from Vinnie Curry. He he was pretty much asked like what it's like to be back after you know he was cut, spent a year with the Buccaneers. He's like it just felt like a long off season. <laughs> he he has the coolest hair now too. I like yeah, I'm so like distracted by it when I'm when I'm like <laughs> talking to him. He has like the color ones. color tips or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm describing that right <laughs> on his cornrows. Yeah. Uh, but he like you said he's like one of those personalities, and he he also mentioned how. It didn't even feel like he left. That's why he called it a long offseason because he never stopped. He said he talked to Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham every day. Well, and he had Bo Allen in there and, too. And I think I forget who. I think he said Jason Peters. He said there's still a group message that never stopped going. So he was texting with these dudes uh, as if like he was still on the team, which is funny, especially because you know every time a guy that leaves ends up playing the team that he was on the year before, like they all like oh, we're not talking at all. Like the lead up to that Buccaneers game, it was all like, "Yeah, I'm not talking to that guy. Well, uh, he's my friend." But but they were talk, clearly talking like every day that week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he's a guy that grew up an Eagles fan. We brought it up earlier. Guy. So I mean, I think he's just really happy to be home. His his personality is like second to none. Like he just is excited to he's be awesome. there. He's a really good guy. He's a guy that like when I worked at another uh, publication covering the Eagles, we did not see very eye to eye, but he came up to me and I came up to him and introduced myself and whether he remembered my name or not, he was very polite and just really anxious to meet everybody. He's just a nice guy. Um, I was talking to LJ Fort and there's this misconception that he is just like a pass coverage linebacker, I guess, because the Steelers only really used him on third down. And he's like, no, that's not the case. Even Jim Schwartz said that he was a very well-rounded player. Yeah. So I think that's kind of interesting. He said that um, that the defense is looking at the linebacker position as a, hey, we'll figure this out when we see the best guys together. And I think that that's the right move. I don't think you should assure anybody. Camus uh, has played very well in the two yeah. practices that we've seen. I think he's, he had an interception off. Thorson, I want to say, or yes. yeah, Thorson in the three on threes or whatever. It was. Yeah, yeah, he jumped in front of a ball. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are guys that 
there's a lot of veterans in there, and while they're not maybe the most talented guys, I think it helps having that experience. It's all, you know, you had mentioned TJ Edwards in a couple articles that he looked really good. Yeah. He did. But it helps. Like it's okay to have a bunch of undraft, uh, an undrafted guy or two in there when you have the veteran experience of Paul yeah. Orlow and Nigel Bradley. Your guy Alex Singleton looked pretty good too. That kid can blitz. I don't know what else he you can know, do. Uh, he batted down, I think, a Sudfeld pass yeah. at, at the goal line. That was yeah, pretty good. He, he's he's uh, running with the first team at one point, wasn't he? Yeah. He I mean, took, they don't have any linebackers there health-wise. but Right. He took first-team Sam reps with Nigel Bradham and Paul Worlow out. Um, oh, also Zach Brown. Who yeah, we, Zach Brown was there but didn't practice. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I'm trying to think of who else I talked to. In the well, locker. so Nelson Aguilar I spoke to for a while, and yeah, I for wrote a story about him. Um, he's like such an interesting. We've t- I think we've talked about. It. He's like such an interesting personality. We got a baby crying in the back. <laughs> I don't even know if he's crying. Just I think just, he's just talking. Just, he's, he's definitely my. He's son. interested in our takes. Um, yeah. But Nelson, you know, he's obviously in a very interesting spot. He's coming off of somewhere where everybody rumored him to be traded or that the Eagles were open to trading him. And he, we know he saw all those tweets because he was liking all of them. Um, oh, way to call him out. <laughs> no, I mean that. That's just you happened. mentioned he, him. He, he, he might favorite this. Yeah, podcast. true. <laughs> but. He's entering his contract year. The Eagles have added all these weapons. He's not in a contract year. He's not going to get the amount of touches that he probably would like. Um, Deshaun Jackson just came into the mix. You know, there was last year where they traded for Golden Tate and his touches like were cut in half. I think he went from averaging eight targets a game to four afterwards. Like that's mm-hmm. a pretty big drop off. Um, but he's st- he like is such like a positive human. Like if you just talk to him, just the way he's like. So what what am I going to be worried about? Am I not going to be in the NFL anymore? No, I'm going to be in the NFL. I want to be with the Eagles. This is where I am, and he's excited about Deshaun Jackson being there. I just find that he he has the right mindset going into his last season. And one thing he was smart to point out, and I think this will tie into his value as a free agent. Like what happened with Golden Tate, he thinks will be good for him in the long run because it forced him to go to all these other wide receiver positions. He said, "I'm I'm really good at slot receiver, but I also I'm a I'm everywhere receiver. I prefer to play all over the field." So I I I think that. That, that's the right way for him to go about this last year because I don't think his numbers are going to be what he wants them to be. Yeah, and, you know, he's getting a pretty nice salary. Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, 9.4 mil, so yeah. I'll be pretty excited still. Um, and, but I think the difference between Deshaun Jackson and Golden Tate is Deshaun's talents complement. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Nelson nice. Aguilar. So a guy that I talked to is uh, Sharif Miller. And a lot of people made like a big deal about his number 76 uniform. So I had to ask him about it. Um, he grew up an Eagles fan, and here's what he had to say. I play for the Eagles. I'm in the NFL. Not everybody gets this opportunity. A number is a number. I'm going to make the number. Okay. So bad number. <laughs> uh, so I followed up. You know, are you going to keep the number then? I'm not sure. I've got it now, and I'm going to rock it now. But right now, that's really my focus. That's not really my focus. I'm appreciative of this opportunity, and I'm grateful for this opportunity. I don't really care about the number. Everybody else seems to. Yeah, everyone else does. Like, I think it's ridiculous. We joke about it all the time. But um, I was talking to Dave Zingaro from uh, NBC Sports Philly, and I was like, I just hate that number for a defensive end. I don't know why. Uh, If he had said he's like a diehard 76ers fan or something, I could have gotten it, but he didn't even go with that. He should have gone with that. That's really, he should have made that his brand. And like start saying trust the process all the time or something. Yeah, you know, kind of get in the spirit. But, you know, he's a guy that... Uh, is learning from he, he told me this I thought this was interesting he goes when I first got here with the vets it was like I'm really here 
I'm seeing Deshaun Jackson, I'm seeing Brandon Graham, Vinny Curry. A lot of these guys were my favorite players growing up, and now we're teammates. I think this is a guy that a lot of te- fans can really get behind. You know, it's one thing to he kind of does remind me of Vinny Curry. I was going to say he kind of feels like a Vinny Curry. Like that. That's pro- if that's his ceiling. That's pretty good. Yeah, for yeah. a fourth round pick. Yeah, he was very good against the run at Penn State. Uh, Vinny Curry was very good against the run at Marshall. Um, Vinny Curry was a little bit more developed as a pass rusher coming into college, but I think Miller's a guy that sees sees an upside in himself. He just really needs to work on a couple of things. He needs to work on his pad level. Sorry, that was my wedding ring. He's got to work on his pad level, his hands, and his get off. So he pretty much has to work on everything you need for a pass rusher. Yeah, Uh, but he's a blank canvas, and as we said with Jim Schwartz, I think that's something that he really takes a lot of pride in is developing these defensive linemen. We have a, they have a new defensive line coach, um, Philip Daniels and Philip Daniels. And so I think this gives him a nice opening project. Um, you know, as my son screams in the other room, I think you have to feel good about like the content of, uh, of the character in the, the locker room, in yeah. the locker room and of these young guys Every young guy has said the right thing. Like, nobody said anything that's, like, really super alarming. Even the the guys that are probably not – like, Josh Perkins. Josh Perkins is a great example of a guy who could ball out in the preseason and still not make this roster. They've got a good perspective. They know that this is not the only roster that they're competing to make. Yeah, they're competing – they're showing when there's tape for 31 other teams. Right. I've been in locker rooms where guys – really are dead set on making that team's roster and don't focus on improving themselves. They only focus on the competition ahead. You need to play to your best ability. And I think these guys, this is going to be a hell of a training camp. I, just from a depth perspective, yeah. the, there, there's not you, that many spots open. Yeah. I mean, I would say that there's maybe five to six spots that are like definitely open. Yeah. yeah at, at most 10. At most 10. And that's on the very high end. Yeah. Right. Depending on how they shuffled the roster. Yeah. But I mean, you look at the offensive line, they have 17 offensive linemen now that they cut Johnny Gibson. Like, <laughs> 13 wide receivers. Like, there, there's a lot of talent here, and it's not bad talent. Some of these undrafted free agents were pretty highly respected in NFL draft circles. Like, there's talent here. Yeah. All right, I think that's a good spot to end on. Um, next week... They have two practices that we're going to get to watch Monday and Wednesday. So we'll try and get – we're not going to do podcast both days, but we'll probably get one for you guys early in the week and then later in the week. Uh, we can talk about – we didn't have time this time, but Lewis Riddick like, said that he thinks Carson Wentz is going to win MVP this year. That That's like a longer discussion that I think we should have at some point. Well, and as you're, as as Carson Wentz builds that case, i got to tell you, Zach is doing a great job of tracking all of the quarterback's numbers during, during practice, like – He's doing a really good job with it, oh, and and I think he he does it in a way that is very easy to read when you're on your lunch break or you're on your bathroom break or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what you do. I'm not trying to tell you when to read, but uh, I think you guys should check that out. Um, I'm doing full observations of everything that's not quarterback related, so we've got a good one-two uh, punch. We're kind of the Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders of. I thought uh, you were about to say Jordan Pippen. I was well, like, all right, you're giving us a little. No, credit. no, no. You started with Jordan. I was like, uh. you know, we're the Jordan Howard. <laughs> we're more like Miles. Luke Longley and uh, Tony Kukoc. Hey, <laughs> I'm cool with that. I'd rather be Pat Garrity and like Horace Grant, but whatever. Yeah, all about the magic, love it. Yeah, so <laughs> Daryl Armstrong and and uh, Darryl Armstrong, good and ball. Tracy McGrady. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Who's McGrady here though? <laughs> um, I'm lanky. I don't know. Anyway, so so again, check out the great stuff that we got going. We're gonna have a bunch of stuff throughout the weekend. 
Um, Carson wants a softball game. Yeah, Carson wants a softball he's game on Friday. Um, I'm hoping that he pegs. You I know, think he's not. I think he said he's not playing. I think he's just going to be coaching. Oh. Oh. <laughs> now I know why the now I, now I know the, what stems from all these rumors about him in the locker who, room. Who do you think will be the best player? I think. I feel, I'm like, go I feel like Jay Jaw is gonna be really good. Jay Jaw is gonna be good. Uh, I think that oh, man. I, was I forget. About, I, for, I wasn't there last year, but I forget who Nate were like Sudfeld. the good players last year. I think Nate Sutton. Jake Elliott was really good last year. Actually, he was like uh, sneaky good. Yeah. Yeah, he's because Elliott Tour Parks when he was still here, we did like a draft of uh, of like the players who were gonna be in the game. We were gonna do like a whole point system with it. We didn't wind up following through with that because that's a lot of work to do. But Nate but Gary. I, I believe Nate I had Jake Gary Elliott on my team. I'm gonna go with Nate Gary. Nate Gary's gonna be the Nate guy Gary. if he if he can actually practice. I mean, he wasn't out there. Maybe he has a future in softball. I don't. Know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of like guys that like I think would have. I think Avante Maddox if he's allowed to, to steal bases. Dallas Goddard would be good. Yeah, Goddard. Uh, I'd love to see Timmy Jernigan out there. That's who I want to see. Yeah, power hitter. Yeah. Clean up. All right. We'll end on that note. Uh, leave some comments. Tell us who you think would be the best softball player. Write a review on Apple. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Check out NJ.com for all of our content. And thanks for listening, guys. Dude.